I want to invest, but I want to avoid investing in companies that harm the environment, violate workers' rights, or put people at risk. You know, things like firearms and tobacco. What can I do? Well, we've got you covered. Listen to Queer Money episode 324 because the solution is investing in ESG funds or environmental, social, and governance funds, which we're talking about with our friend and financial advisor, Laura LaTourette. Let's do this. You're listening to the Queer Money Podcast, personal finance with a rainbow twist. Queer Money is dedicated to financial independence, financial well-being, investing knowledge, and the intersection of all things money as an LGBTQ person. Queer Money is made possible by Capital One. Capital One believes that financial well-being includes your mental, physical, and financial health. Check out CapitalOne.com today. Welcome, Laura Lottorette, to the show. After all these years of watching you on Twitter and exchanging social media messages back and forth, we finally get to put a face to the the words. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, guys. So nice to meet you and see your faces as well. Of course. We're excited for this conversation. For those of you who have been paying attention to the Queer Money podcast for the last five plus years, you've noticed over the time frame, we've started to get more into investing and trying to talk specifically about investing topics that you yourselves have told us that you're interested in. And today we're talking about the exciting topic of socially responsible investing, because we all want to be investors, but we also don't want to be the jerk investor, right? <laughs> we want to the, do the good the stuff. Bro, we, we, we want to steer clear of the bro mentality that exactly. is in investing. So Laura is <laughs> going to give us the 411 and all things socially responsible investing. So welcome to the show. Good to have you. Thank you so much. It's good to be here. Of course. So why don't we create a baseline for everybody, please? What is socially responsible investing? What are ESGs? What does it even mean? Okay, good question. Well, you know, social responsible investing came into play, gosh, several years ago. I know we started with looking at that type of screening on investments over 10 years ago. And social responsible investing back then was mostly done with faith-based organizations. They wanted to take out like the sin stocks, you know, gambling and, you know, things that people didn't want to invest in weapons, you know, things like that. And so the social responsible investing, though, started to really become more of a value-based investing in the last few years. We have seen it now transcend into environmental, social, and governance. And that ESG is really starting to take hold with mainstream America. That's what we're wanting to call it. We want to really look at investments that help sustainability, for sure, but also looking at things that will help the environment or not hurt it. Social, you know, social issues and human rights issues have become something that we're very invested in and and want to learn more about. And we really want to invest in companies that have a good track record in social issues. And then governance. How do they run their boards? How do they run their companies? Do they have good benefits for LGBTQ investors? Do they have good benefits for their employees? Do they have a good way of policy and and making management decisions that are equitable and have women rise to the top and have you be able to come to this company and be your whole self. So ESG is now what we really 
refer to when we're looking at this type of investing? I don't know if I buy this. You're telling me I can invest in these capitalistic companies who are trying to make money and increase their shareholder value. And I can still be able to feel good about myself and sleep at night. (laughs) Yes. Yes. And that is now the focus. And it really has taken off the last couple of years. You know, in 2016, when we had a presidential election, you saw a lot of people gather together and say, you know what, I'm going to find a way to also do things that I can control with my money. And so we saw a lot of insurgent into this type of area. A lot of these funds really started picking up speed and companies, investment companies started creating more and more. The last two years, because of the pandemic, there was like a 42% increase in the amount of money going from what we would have said traditional funds into ESG funds. So yeah, there's a whole group of people, especially millennials, LGBT and women that are saying, I'm going to invest in something that makes me feel good and something that will give an impact a good impact to the world and not just invest in something. You know, we're all capitalists. That's what our world is made of. At least in the United States, we're capitalists. So we want to look for something that has a profit, sustainability, and is also good for the earth, for the world, for our country, and for us. It's interesting you made that comment. We are actually going to be recording an episode later on today with another guest talking about capitalism versus anti-capitalism. But you make a good point. We live in a capitalist form of capitalism. We live in that form of capitalism. And we, if we really have to, we want to think about our future, we have to think about how do we put money aside for the future that will grow for the future and keep up with inflation. We know what's going on with inflation right now. It's going crazy. So we have to invest to be able to at least keep up with an inflation. Salaries aren't keeping up. <laughs> and, and then, but if you don't feel comfortable investing in companies like ExxonMobil or Northrop Grumman that builds nuclear missiles, right? If you don't feel comfortable investing in these kind of companies, you don't want to, you don't want to be on that side of capitalism. It sounds like there's maybe, this is kind of a crazy way to think of it, the softer side of capitalism or the more more value-based, the more socially conscious side, the compassionate side of capitalism, where we can align our values with where we put our money. Right, right. And I mean, even if you just looked at HRC's corporate equity index, you know, they run an index and tell you how these companies in the United States stack up to their peers and mm-hmm. and are they socially acceptable of, you know, the LGBTQ community. So when you're thinking about ESG, think about it. It's not really a strategy. It's another screening of risk. What we're wanting to do is evaluate risk of the company to make sure that the profits are better. So it's not really a way to just have a strategy. You you start with the same types of analytics. You know, you, you get your universe of your companies, And then you whittle it down to profitability and look at expenses and look at all the different, you know, quantitative measurements. And then you put it through the ESG screen. Mm -hmm. So I think some people think you start with ESG and work backwards. And really what happens most of the time is you start with the universe and work forward. And then the ESG screen says, what types of risks do we see this sector are going to have as an issue and how well are they mitigating those risks for long long-term growth for long-term sustainability 
And so mm-hmm. some of them do better than others. Some of them are really leaders. Some of them are average and do okay. And some of them are real laggards. They're just not paying attention to it. Mm-hmm. Well, that hits their bottom line and profitability, you know, issues sure. in the future. So it really is another measurement of risk, not necessarily just a strategy. Got you. Okay. I like the way you explain that because I've always looked okay. at it more of a, a strategy, but if you're, if you're in investing long enough, or you, especially if you do any sort of analytics, you're always looking at various risk metrics. So this is just one more filter that you would add to your, your spreadsheet. Right. And it's not even just qualitative, you know, in their annual reports and things like that, they do start to list some of these things. And there's, you know, governmental re- regulations requiring disclosure. There's regulations on, you know, what they need to do as far as environmental standards and those kinds of things. So you're measuring some of those things so that you can understand how will they continue to make profit. Right. Yeah. You bring up a good point here too about the future potential risks, because if a company today is doing okay or is behind the curve when it comes to certain things socially, it's quite possible that someone at that company may do or say something, or the company itself may put out a product or get into the marketing of of a a product that is all of a sudden looked down on by society, right? They may say something. We've seen this happen. You know, a a corporate leader comes out and says something, and immediately that stock loses two, three, five, 10% because everybody all of a sudden is like, I don't want to be associated or I don't, don't want so to be hard investing. On Elon. He's having a tough couple of weeks. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so yeah, it, so it all matters. It's not just soft data. I mean, it really does all matter. Yeah, and that's so. good to know, actually, because I think to your point, they think it's the softer side of investing, but I think some people might be thinking that the returns are going to be softer as well. And so am I giving up a better ROI to try to save the earth or, or, or help to help people. Um, yeah, and, and you're and saying that the two aren't mutually, mutually exclusive. Yeah, we're not really giving up performance either. I think that's a misnomer. In the past, maybe we had excluded some of the companies that during a certain period of time, the sector was doing well. So yeah, if, if you're really opposed to energy and you don't want that in your portfolio and you have enough money to be able to buy individual stocks, maybe you're not buying energy and you Mm -hmm. might miss out on the surge when the gas prices are like they are today. But, you know, truly in the long run of things, that's not really the case. You know, when we look at the, just in the past couple of years, of course, you know, since COVID, we really have looked a lot at how the internet has continued to shrink this world into understanding what's happening around the globe. Mm -hmm. And the more we understand what's happening around the globe, the more we demand fairness and equal rights and want to see justice in the world. So you saw a lot of people take money and put it into these type of funds. So remember, in capitalism, it's supply and demand, right? We Mm -hmm. have supply and demand. It's not necessarily always that this company that makes widgets is going to be something I'm going to you know buy all the time if if the value of those widgets have gone down and I see something over here to buy 
I'll probably sell it and go over here, hopefully Mm -hmm. not at the bottom and buy at the top. But, you know, that's how we do it. So the reason why some of what we see with performance that's gone up the last couple of years is because people now are saying, I'm not going to do this anymore. You know, you see cryptocurrency coming to play and and we're still looking at how is that going to, you know, affect the markets as they are today. So a lot of things are are happening right now that did not happen 10 years ago. And the internet has a lot to do with it. Absolutely. Capital One strives to inspire a better financial path for everyone, including the LGBTQ plus community through access to credit, tools to manage debt and product features. Digital products such as CreditWise and Eno are designed to take the stress out of money by helping you manage credit, a key source of potential stress, and stay on top of spending without worrying all the time. Sign up for CreditWise for free today. So I just saw a big announcement this week about Tesla getting kicked out of an ESG. So what kind of, what kind? I know you can't lay them all out, but what kinds of no. things or qualifications would somebody be kind of be expecting to hear as to what allows a company to be in or be out? Well, you know, I think sometimes when we're looking at ESG, we forget we're really looking at risk. We're, we're looking at, you know, are these companies going to be sustainable? And in an overall, you know, if we're just looking at over, overall view of environmental, social and governance, you know, he has a way of being pretty snarky, you know, he he can make some comments that that might not be as appropriate, you know, as others. So, you know, I think maybe because of that risk, he's been you know taken out of some of the ESG indexes, or or the company has Tesla has, and you know, I really think that when we're looking at ESG as a type of screening, if we can reframe it to say, I want to have investments that are going to sustain and be profitable for long term. And what would be some of the risks that we would have in this area? You'll see some of the companies that continue to make either errors in judgment or aren't keeping up with the times or are constantly pushing some boundaries, maybe. Maybe they shouldn't be part of this group. And and so possibly that's why he was removed. You know, I didn't keep up specifically what the reasons are. Yeah, Um, I didn't either. But you bring up that point. Elon Musk has a tendency to say what he thinks without maybe using a filter to to determine whether or not that's appropriate thing to say and how it might impact shareholders. Right. So there's yeah. maybe there's maybe a governance issue there. Right. Of what the the CEO of the company is allowed to say or should say. And so maybe that's part of why. And, and that's I think kind of speaks to the, your point of this. There is risk associated with these things. Yeah. And, you know, he has some really off-color cartoons and jokes about LGBT, too, on Twitter. You know, he I was should like, run for president if this job is Tesla's not going to wear off him. <laughs> no. <laughs> We're going down a path that's no <laughs> longer no, investing. I don't mean to go down a, a Tesla, a Tesla But then path. let's talk about let's talk about the other thing that you guys had mentioned before, which was value-based. So mm-hmm. we also now are seeing a real focus on I personally now want to customize my investments of things that I value or things I find as priority. Climate change is one of the number one things that people in ESG are interested in when we start looking at the charts and and the different 
reasons why people are choosing it. But there are other things. Maybe I think it's really important to have LGBTQ on you know top of the line. I want to make sure all the companies I invest in are on HRC's list, 100%, period. I can also say maybe I'm really interested in companies that have nothing to do with weapons, manufacturers, making bullets, retail sellers, everything you can think of that has to do with, with weapons, I don't want to be a part of. So there's now a way to even customize it a little further to say these are some areas that are valued to me that I think are really important. And I want to look at ESG and find a way to eliminate some of those so that I'm creating the kind of impact I want to in the world. That's another mm-hmm. way that we're seeing ESG changing. So are you noticing then now that these funds are becoming more available and because of the social consciousness of, I think, society in general, especially after COVID, that more people are gravitating to these funds than ever before? Are you seeing an uptick in people who want to have all these different qualifiers in their portfolio? Definitely. You know, we added ESG to our traditional portfolios about five years ago because they were just doing a great, great job globally. And I said, you know, I can't, as a fiduciary, I can't just eliminate this and have a personal opinion. If I see something in the marketplace that will do a really good job for my clients, I've got to make sure that I am embracing that and learning, learning about it. When you start looking at the studies, of ESG and who wants it and who doesn't and all those other discussions, most people in the United States, no matter you know their generation, they like the idea of ESG. Mm-hmm. It's the financial advisors who don't want to change. That's what we're seeing. The financial <laughs> really advisors are saying, oh, you don't need that, or oh, you're not going to have enough performance, or oh, we don't want to worry about that. But the investors themselves, um, for the most part, are like, no, that really is important to me. And I think I do want to learn more about that. So they're going to start pushing these advisors or the advisors are going to need to retire, you know, and that that's another hopefully big wave that will be happening is that the older advisors will be able to retire and let some of the newer advisors come in and take their place because you've got to continue to stay present and be forward looking when you're investing. That's really important. You can't just stay on the past or history. You know, the S&P is not what it was even five years ago. There's different companies in it. So you can't just keep saying, well, history says this, history says that. You really need to be present and moving forward when you're investing. Absolutely. And so I'm curious, since you mentioned it, why do you think some advisors are reticent to make the change in adopting ESGs? Is it purely because of historical performance or are there any other variables at play? Yeah, I don't think it's just performance, you know, that that doesn't stack up. I think, you know, it has to do with anything. Human beings don't like to change, you know, and and investor. Well, if we look at investment advisors like myself, you know, if we are self-employed, then we have to learn something new and we, you know, have to really understand it, educate ourselves, and then implement it in the portfolio. So why do I want to do that if what I'm doing is working, Mm -hmm, right? So I think some of that is just the way things happen with human beings. We don't like to change. Right. But we're seeing that a lot of things in the financial services industry are changing. You know, millennials are coming in and creating a really nice um, place where they're saying, I'm going to work as a financial advisor and I'm only going to give advice. I'm not even going to invest. I'm going to help you understand how to do this in more of a passive way and you go ahead and do it on your own. 
you can get ESG ETFs, you know, you could get ESG indexes. They're few and far between, but I think as we see, you know, the interest grow, we'll see see that part of the investment world continue to to get larger. Sure, makes sense. Do you think that the growth in and the demand for companies that fit into the ESG model is putting any sort of pressure on companies as well to make sure that they are, I don't know if there's a specific standard, but that they're following at least a loose set of standards that allow them to to continue to be a part of these. Right. As a management of a company, they also want to make sure that their company is desirable for their shareholders, right? So sure. is that happening? Do we see companies saying, oh, yep, we, we, mean, we need to make this change? Yeah, it is happening. Because what yeah. happens is you'll see a lot of the larger corporations, and there have been many fund companies that have been working with the ESG models or sustainability investments for years. They're not new in the business. In fact, what you see in the nonprofit world at the large institutional funds have had ESG in those funds for years and years. You know, so that is not new. What we're seeing is it's more in a private sector that we're saying, is this something that's new and should I use it? But in those areas, we've seen it be involved in the or put in the portfolio for a long period of time. So now what's happening is the larger funds are able to go to the shareholder meetings work with the proxies, help with impact and say, you know, we have scientists or we have, you know, people on our staff that say, if you would just do this, you would maybe make a better profit because of the sustainability. And so we have seen that and we have reports. I get them from the mutual fund companies and the investment companies that I use, and and they produce them for the general public that says, you know, we went to X company and asked them to do this. They actually took our advice and implemented it. And now, you know, the profitability is higher. So yeah, we're definitely seeing that. And now we're starting to push governance too. You know, we want women on all the boards. I mean, that... You, if you look at those numbers, when you have a board that is representative of more than just white males, guess what? You know, that collaborative conversation and that consciousness is a lot higher than if everybody is thinking or understanding the same thing. So that's another thing that we do is we see that, you know, even with the board, you know, makeup, we're wanting to see diversity and we're, we're, requiring it. We're, we're saying, if you don't, then we will take all of our shareholders and we'll move to a different company. My mind is being blown. You can invest according to your values. Women can be on boards of companies. Right. <laughs> it, it, I know. Better. It's Everything's like we're new. winning. I know. Yeah. I'm like, woohoo. <laughs> well, and it does, folks, I know that there are some folks in the LGBT community that struggle with investing because they morally don't necessarily think it's right or they think that their money can be better used in other places. But I'm curious and I'm, I'm thinking that this is part of the reason why companies like Mass Mutual signed on with the amicus brief. Companies like Amazon and PayPal and Salesforce said, we're going to leave North Carolina if these bathroom bills continue to go through. It, these companies, it's not just they're not just thinking about their employees. They're thinking about the impact that they can have companies can have and continue to have an overweighted impact on what is going on politically for LGBT folks in this country. And 
investing in those kinds of companies, those companies that are proving themselves that are doing that, gives them more of a reason to continue to do that. If we all just flee from these companies, then there may not be as much of a reason for them to continue to do that. That's why we need to get Disney in Colorado. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Someday. I know. What good example is Disney is just, you know, number one on HRC's list for a reason. I don't know if they're exactly number one, but they are on that list they're and okay, have yeah. been repeatedly. You know, that list has been out for 20 years trying to help us understand what companies in this United States or globally are able to really work with us as a group. And we are seeing. There, there's a good track record with many of the corporations. So yeah. I think that's important to, to note. You know, if you look at where do you want to invest, you know, they, we, we always hear this, you know, diversify, diversify. And I agree with that. And some folks are wanting to invest in something that is tangible, like real estate. And that's important, too. I think that's a great way to invest. The problem comes in is when you have everything in one place. Mm-hmm. and as you continue to accumulate more wealth, sometimes you need help with it because you, you just don't understand all the nuances. So what I see is a lot of investors start in one place and then over time, as they accumulate more and more wealth, they decide to you know get help from you know an advisor or maybe they're part of an investment club or you know different ways to do it. But I really think that Investing in the market, the market is one of the things in our world, it's the number one investment. The U.S. stock market is the number one market in the world. So if you're going to invest in something for long term, then it's a good place to put your money. If it's not going to be long term, and I'm saying, you know, 10 years or more, I'm not saying, you know, day trading, that's extremely risky. But if you're able to put a portion of money in that so that it's long term, and then you want to retire in 30 years, you know, I think that's a good place to put some of your money. Absolutely. So I'm curious, we've talked about a lot of things here so far. What I'm curious about, though, is all these companies that are being are qualifying to be ESGs, environmentally responsible, socially responsible, governmentally responsible companies, is there any risk um, or is there any filtering to make sure that this is they aren't included if they're like companies are actually wish cycling or turning a blind eye to worker rights or are really just rainbow capitalists at heart and taking advantage of, of the community as opposed to actually serving and helping the community? Is that being filtered out? of these funds as well? It's being watched, you know, more and more software is being developed to be able to really pick apart and pick through some of these things. We're, we're finding that transparency, very important to people, investors, investment advisors, you know, but even in corporations, you're seeing that we're wanting to find a way to really understand what this company is all about. So, if you just looked at, again, if you looked at ARC's list, I mean, they're looking at policies, they're looking at practices, they're looking at legal issues that they've had with employees. 
they're looking at what what do they own you know what is the what the, what does the company own and and what's their balance sheet and and where is it and and so they're looking at so many different factors and then we use some software that actually can drill down and give us some you know minute information that's public you know a lot of public information I'm talking about here but it also can categorize it in a format that if I want to make sure that I'm not going to invest in, you know, weapons, then it will give me those companies that have nothing to do with that industry at all. Mm -hmm. So we're seeing that software developers are coming to the table in the financial services industry. A lot of them coming from, you know, places like MIT and other think tanks where they've been discussing this for years and then, you know, put it into place. So I think that right there is is really exciting news that we're, you know, the academics are also creating the tools and resources we need to help identify areas that might be, you know, more of a risk but also might be someone that we want to invest in because of, of who they are as a company overall. Absolutely. So it's, it's kind of interesting. What you're saying here is that there's, there's a lot of different layers to this. And I think that a lot of queer folks, especially when we jump on the rainbow capitalism bandwagon, are quick to judge companies because they see them being out there at Pride, right? But what you're saying is that there are lots of other layers and other things that they may be doing that actually show that they're not truly what we deem as the evil rainbow capitalists. They are actually doing a lot of good when it comes to the environment, to socially responsible, to governance, that there's a lot of other things. And maybe we should be looking at these companies as the ones that are the standouts. These are the ones that are getting the ape. You know, I know that HRC gives them a number rating, but we kind of were wondering who are the A pluses, right? Who are the ones that are going above and beyond? Well, maybe it's some of these companies that are being included in these ESGs. Yes, very much so. And I think one of the things we do, again, as human beings is we keep looking in the past or we stay back there. And there was a time we didn't have a lot of support, you know. And so when you think about pride coming up and and why we needed to have a celebration and and some of the legal rights that we have fought and won, it it makes sense why our community is gun shy. It mm-hmm. makes sense why our community is saying, you know, I don't want a part of that. They don't support me. But there's been a lot of changes, especially in corporate America. A lot of policies now are very welcoming to trans, transsexual people, transgender people, trying to make sure that they're inclusive in their language as well as in their health benefits. So, you know, I'm seeing a turn for the good when it comes to that sort of thing. So I think we really, again, need to stay forward looking. And if you are a shareholder and you have enough shares, you can make a difference. So if we are all coming together and saying, you know, some companies that we know support us very well are going to get my money as well, and others will not, then we do it with investing as well as retail shopping. You know, you see, we band together and might have a protest or a boycott, which is great, but we also then need to put our money there where our mouth is and say, okay, if I'm not going to shop there, where do I find a place that I can shop that really supports me as a person? Right. Absolutely. So this makes, that makes me wonder then, 
do all SG, all ESGs fit all people? Meaning, if is every ESG going to align with my values, or do I need to do a little bit of more homework before I actually pick an ESG? And if so, where do I do that homework? Yeah, well, there's a couple of different places. I went ahead and got some information, you know, before we sat down because I thought, where can I help you understand to, you know, get some of this information? You know, MSCI index is one of the indexes we look at in the business, and that's Morgan Stanley Capital Investments. And they have done some research for you. They've got studies, they've got white papers, things like that, that you can look at. You know, you'll see companies, because it's pretty subjective how we decide to build our models, right? So you'll see a company that might say gender, I I, I want something that's going to be gender focused. Well, in a gender focused fund, they may include energy funds that are in the top list of HRC, but they're not quite that. The carbon footprint's probably higher than most. And mm-hmm. in the sector, and and that sector in and of itself has got a high carbon footprint. So you say, well, I don't want that either. And that's where you kind of start saying, you know, here's my priorities, and this is what I want to do for myself, and this is how I'm going to go forward. Or you just say, you know, ESG as a general screening will cut out most of the bad guys, or at least limit the laggers are the ones who don't seem to understand how much risk they're in by not putting in some of these important aspects. And and so I just want to start there to make me feel like I'm doing something. And that's okay. I don't think we should have so much judgment. You know, we have so, so much judgment and shame around things, especially when it comes to do with money. And it's like, you know, what if we just do what feels good to us and and go from there? And and really in the long run, as long as you're in the market and you're participating, you know, there should be some growth, you know. But even in the bond market, we're seeing a lot of things now starting to really fit under that ESG umbrella in the bond market too. So you don't necessarily always have to buy the stocks and risk. If that doesn't feel right to you, you could look at the bonds and look at the bond market and and maybe that just feels better. Right. Yeah, I think that HRC also has a municipal index yes. of mm-hmm. cities and states that are doing well when it comes to the rights for their employee. I think it's specifically, more specifically for the employees of the state or the city. Mm-hmm. Um, but it does give a, at least one more layer or one more condition to put on those investments to see whether or not they're doing doing well by their workers. I do have a question though. You did kind of just mention about diversity, right? Mm-hmm. So we've talked about ESG funds and you just mentioned bonds. Do we see ESG funds or, or, or options across the various spectrums of company size? I tend to think of when I think of ESG, I usually think that even HRC's index, they're only really big companies, right? These are these are large cap or mega cap companies, right? They're not medium cap or small cap companies that are included in this index just because they can't do all 5,000 companies that are in the in the stock market, right? So they have a right. smaller, smaller list. Right. Are ESGs doing a better job with maybe filtering and doing some looking at some of those medium size and smaller companies? Well, the, the harder part, I think, is what's available to the public and 
and those types of things. So the larger corporations have, you know, a lot of disclosures and regulations they follow. Not that smaller companies don't, but it's just harder to look under the hood and get all the information. We are seeing, though, that there is a movement to have smaller companies. I mean, that's usually where you start is small and, and build to big. There's a new certification that is getting a lot of attention called a certified B corporation. A B corporation is a company that is wanting to be mission driven and balancing their purpose and their profit. So I think we're going to see more and more of the B corporations coming into our view. B corporations may not be on the stock market. So you might not be able to have a professional advisor help you with that investment. So you might have to really challenge yourself to find the information. But there is a B Corps. The website I had pulled up is called B Lab. And it does keep track of B Corps and information and how that works and, and some of the tools and resources you could do to get started on, on that. Harvard nice. did a good research paper on it. And I think we're going to see more and more of that over the years because people are interested in being stewards of the planet. They're interested in making sure that we're going to be here a little longer than uh, just a few years. Yeah. But I also wanted to go back to the question about where do people find information? Because there's two other sources I'd like you to think about. Number one would be Morningstar's Sustainalytics. Sustainalytics.com is a good resource as well. You'll see a lot of third-party information about ESG. They have ratings and they talk to you about how their ratings work and, and why they do what they do. But it, it keeps up with some lists and company ratings. And then the other source I, I like, which is one of my favorites, is US SIF, which is U-S as in Sam, S as in Sam, I f as in frank.org. And it is a forum for sustainable and responsible investing. So nice. it brings together people all over the globe. It's also a nonprofit, it's a foundation, but it brings together investors and advisors and portfolio managers and companies and everyone to continue to have conversations about how do we move forward with ESG and what makes it a complete conversation. They have some really good training as well. And the education, I think, is really important for consumers. It's free education. It's really good education. And you can just go to that website and go to the Education Center and take a course on sustainable investing basics. But they also look at racial justice and, you know, some of the other things that I think are really important details. So USCIF would be a really good resource, I think, for your, you know, the viewers to to look at. Absolutely. So we'll we'll be sure to include in the show notes a link to all of these resources that Laura is mentioning. So okay. I think this has been a great conversation. I think for me specifically, yeah, you know, you've dispelled the myth that if I'm going to invest in socially responsible ESG type funds, that my returns are going to be lower. I think that's you know, if I'm going to invest and I'm trying to get you know, keep up with the rate of inflation, especially today, that's one of my concerns, right? So yeah. I don't need to choose which devil I want to follow. I can actually choose the good path for both. Mm -hmm. It's nice to know. <laughs> so we want to take a little bit of a tack from our conversation though to David and I have been investing in the investing world long enough to have seen a number of LGBTQ focused funds come and go. Uh, we've, we saw the EQLT ETF a couple of years ago change. 
Just recently, there was the LGBTQ plus, was that ETF by ESG 100? UBS had the PRID ETF a couple of years ago, and then that went defunct. Why do you think these, these funds seem to come and go? And there's always a lot of excitement around them, investing in companies that are focused on companies that are good to the LGBTQ community, have inclusive policies and procedures, have protections for LGBTQ employees, but then they always seem to fizzle out. What is going on here? Any idea? Well, you know, I mean, just like any other investment, it's supply and demand, I think. You know, if you come out with a great product, but you can't get people to buy it because you can't communicate your message or get it to them, then, you know, it, it seems to just, you know, fail. That happens with a lot of investments. It's not just the ones that you named, but it's a lot of investments. You know, you get, you know, people come together and think they're going to create something that we're all going to buy and it just doesn't go anywhere. You know, I know when the, I was thinking about when the radio, satellite radio came into play, I think it was in 2000 or something, 99. We thought that was the latest, greatest thing. It was going to get rid of cable. Everyone was going to buy it. Well, the price of that stock stayed the same and just stayed flat. And finally, the two competitors merged together. And I don't think the price of the stock has done much since then. So, you know, there's not always this good idea equals profit, Mm -hmm. right? Profit comes from supply and demand. If I want to buy something for whatever reason, you know, it makes me feel good, or I'm hoping to make a profit, I have to have a reason to do that. I have to get off the couch to do it. And some companies are just better at others when it comes to marketing, or maybe have more capital. I mean, unfortunately, that's where, where it comes down to. So, you know, as we see more and more people interested in ESG and value-based investing and wanting to have things the way we want them, then maybe we'll see time where some of those types of funds will grow and Mm -hmm. we'll be able to continue to have a profit and and find a place in the market. It just takes us a long time to change. We just don't like it. And, you know, LGBTQ, you know, even our community, we used to be LGBT and then we added a Q and we have a plus. You know, we as a, as a group are still evolving and we as a group are still trying to find legal rights, right? So we're focused a lot on that area and, and not necessarily focused on the investment world or other things. Mm-hmm. But I think as we become more and more comfortable with obtaining and maintaining legal rights, then maybe a shift will happen and we'll see that this is important too. And maybe the next best thing to do is put our money where we can control it, where we want it, where we have companies that support us. That's my hope. I'm just hoping. (laughs) Your lips to God's ears, hopefully. Yeah. Well, it it, it is interesting when when you think your, your comments there about we may not necessarily as a community be focused on investing yet. And there is data that kind of shows that we as a community lag the general population significantly when it comes to actually having investment accounts and how much we have in them. And so there probably isn't the demand out there for those kinds of products. And probably there isn't the awareness. You mentioned that a whole idea of these companies need to put up the capital to be able to get the message out. And maybe they're just not doing that to reach the right people, right? 
Are they reaching financial advisors who actually have or are LGBT or have LGBT clients and telling them, hey, there's here is an option for you? Or are they not reaching the LGBT community in ways in which the LGBT community will perk up and pay attention and say, oh, I want to do this. This is a good thing to do with my money. Because the data shows we have over a trillion dollars in buying power as a community annually. Yes. 1.4 now. Even if 1% of that money was being put into an invest into investing, we're talking about billions of dollars that would be going into investing. And so it, I think maybe your, your point is that maybe this is something that is going to happen. We just need to give it some time. Yeah. You know, now you're hitting my dreams because I'm like, I've been in the business almost 30 years and a lot hasn't changed. And I think one of the things for us as a community is we've struggled so much with being put down and discriminated and not being able to show up fully, not wanting to have conversations fully. So the money hasn't always been able to be preserved or passed on in our community. My hope is we build a rainbow network, tell you the truth. I think we need to look at some of the ways that there are organizations in this country operate and build out foundations that support LGBTQ. We need housing. We need safe housing for not only our teens and transgender folks, we need housing for elders. That's mm-hmm. one of the, the most terrifying thing is to understand that most of our elders are worried about dying alone and in poverty. And so if we looked at some of the organizations and how they do it and take care of their elders and how they keep that money in the community, then maybe some of those things will happen as well as being able to have investments that really just focus on us. It's hard to find an LGBTQ advisor too. You know, to try to find us is really difficult. I'm a certified financial planner and it takes several different steps in the find a planner search to even find LGBTQ. And yeah. I've been trying to get them to get that to the top and and put it in under services. And they're like, well, it's not really services. So, you know, we're constantly trying to help them understand, well, people can't find me. How is it um, the not financial- services? Yeah. I don't get finan- that. Well, I know. I don't get it. They say services are retirement services, education, divorce, those kinds of things. So I'm working on it. I'm an ambassador for the CFP. So hopefully we'll get it going. But then we also have the Financial Planning Association, which we do have a group of us called Pride Planners. And we do a monthly webinar for the advisors and asking financial advisors to pay attention to who we are. Don't just be an ally. I mean, to me, that that's crap. You know, you need to be an advocate. I don't need any more allies. I don't need any more friends. I need some advocates out there like pushing for conversations and making sure that we not only are at the table, we have a voice. And so, you know, pride planners is something that we do have. But again, unless you know the name, it's hard to find it. So mm-hmm. I think some some of us are going to need to help come together as a collaborative and say, what can we do to make sure our community has investments, has retirement planning and retirement savings, has safe place to live? And how do we put this all together? Hopefully we'll be able to to make that happen in the next few years. Well, now I know 
why we have to have you back because now you're tapping into areas that David and I have been talking about behind the scenes <laughs> that maybe we need to become a little bit more public about. And I think a lot of parallels to what you just said there. <laughs> well, good. I know because I've been having conversations too, you know, with Sage USA and, and several others. I'm like, okay, we need to do this stuff. We had a really good summit the other day, just, just last week. It was a LGBTQ elder summit and about elder fraud and, you know, financial fraud and, and things like that. And some of the different organizations and nonprofits and advisors and government agencies around the country, I think there are about 30 of us in this virtual summit. And it was so cool because most of the people in the room were gay, lesbian people, you know, transgender yes. people. We were like, oh my God, we're all here. <laughs> and and they were, you know, in different places, you know, social security administration. I mean, all these different places and we were all together saying, okay, what can we do to collaborate? What do we need to do? And so we need to do that in the financial services industry as well. Absolutely. Absolutely. Wonderful. Yeah. Well, this has been a great conversation. We definitely have to have you back. And we've got a couple of ideas for those topics in the future. But meanwhile, for those of our listeners who want to connect with you, how can our listeners or viewers connect with you and maybe even possibly work with you? Well, I'm on Twitter a lot. I like Twitter because I can just kind of, you know, put it out there and say hi and, and follow, follow folks and they can follow me. So I'm at Laura LaTourette. It's pretty easy. I have a tagline that says that lesbian financial planner, just to either piss people off or welcome them in, you know, kind of one of those things. <laughs> Scare away the people you don't want, keep the I know. people you do. <laughs> I know. And I'm, you know, I hope one day, you know, when I pass away, part of my legacy will be she was that financial planner, <laughs> that lesbian, or she was that lesbian financial planner. That's right. who she was. But anyway, so I'm on Twitter a lot. I do have LinkedIn profile and it's a little more mild-mannered on that side of the street. And then <laughs> I've got my website, which is familywm for wealthmanagement.com. So familywm.com. And I have some good resources for sustainability, ESG, LGBTQ issues on my website. Made sure that that was visible as well. And I am a certified lesbian business owner and part of the National Gay Lesbian Chamber of Commerce. So there's a couple of ways to find me if you want to. You kind of stalled there when you were saying certified lesbian. I'm like, lesbians have a certification and gays don't? <laughs> I know. When I went through certification, it was so fun. I was like, oh my God. You know, <laughs> and then they came out and they inspected and, you know, interviewed me to make sure I was real or something. I was like, <laughs> nice. <very cool. laughs> so I am certified and I'm proud of that. Awesome. And I have to recertify every year. I mean, they're pretty tough. Let me tell you. So I'm around. You can Google my name and, and find me. I've been around a while. So not hiding under any rocks. Don't you worry. <laughs> awesome. Well, thank you so much for your time. Thank you so much for joining us. And we'll definitely have to have you back. Oh, thank you so much. I really enjoyed it too. Great conversation. Thank you. Make sure to check out more ways that Capital One can help you achieve financial well-being at CapitalOne.com. That's CapitalOne.com. Thank you for listening to another episode of Queer Money. Here is your takeaway from this episode. You don't need to invest contrary to your values. So if you're not investing or not investing as much as you'd like because you don't want to add to the bad in the world, know that you do not have to. 
Check out the resources that Laura mentioned on today's show about investing in ESG mutual funds or exchange traded funds. And I'm sure if you need a little help, Laura would be more than happy to help you. Then join us next week when we share five rarely talked about things LGBT folks can do to help achieve financial independence. Because you know, we need a little bit of rainbow in our financial planning. Thank you and have a great week.